Welcome to the most excellent 80s movies podcast. It's the podcast where a filmmaker, a comedian, and their fabulous guests arrive to view the freshness of the movies we think we love or might have missed with these our modern grown-up eyes to see how they hold up. Today's selection is coming to America from 1988. Once upon a time, in a faraway kingdom, lived a handsome prince. He was attended by devoted servants. Do you think perhaps just once I might use the bathroom by myself? Most amusing, sir. Wipers! And engaged by royal decree. Why? Why can't I find my own wife? We've gone to a great deal of trouble to select for you a very fine wife. I want a woman that's going to arouse my intellect as well as my loins. Where will you find such a woman? In America. So he traveled across the sea to the land of opportunity, which is where the fairy tale ends and our story begins. Behold, Simi, life, real life, and seeing that we have been denied for far too long. We're in New York now. Let us dress as New Yorkers. I feel like a complete idiot. Have either of you ever had any fast food work experience before? Certainly not. This will be our first job in the United States. I am Akeem. Nice to meet you, Akeem. I have recently been placed in charge of garbage. That's good to know. Oh, my goodness! It is you! Greetings, Your Highness! Who is that? Eddie Murphy. Just the man I met in the restroom. Arsidio Hall. Ah! In a comedy fable of royal romance. When I look at these contestants for the Miss Black Awareness pageant, I feel good. Apparently, these are the best women Queens has to offer. Pick one and let's go home. I want to tear you apart. And your friend, too. Coming to America. Sir, I was wondering, did you happen to catch the professional football contest on television last night? No, I didn't. Oh, it was most exhilarating. The Giants of New York took on the Packers of Green Bay. And in the end, the Giants triumphed by kicking an oblong ball made of pigskin to a big H. It was a most ripping victory. Son, yes. you want to keep working here. Stay off the drugs. Yes. that description of football i guess i like how the narrator announcer has literally no reason to be there no. <laughs> right so and then, guess he, he went over to here door. Yeah, <laughs> just like just walking through it's so weird look he's got a contract it was free yeah good point yeah um so coming to america so you heard the voice of course of me i am chrissy lens a comedian for this podcast and you also heard the voice of nathan blackwell filmmaker it it is i 
And we also have a very special guest today, uh, one of my True Story FM Sat Matt co-host faves. Uh, we have filmmaker and podcaster Tommy. That's me. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for having me on your wonderful podcast. Tell us a little bit, Tommy. Have you seen this movie? Is it Was it ever a favorite of yours? This why I wanted to be on this one is because yes, I saw that. I believe I was. I'm very old. So I think I was 13 when this came out. So right in a prime age for this movie, mm-hmm. and I remember loving it. And then I remember not remembering anything about it. Like I haven't <laughs> thought of this movie. I only thought of it when they released the sequel, which I also didn't see. The only thing I remembered about this movie. Oh, I wrote it down before it started. Was sexual chocolate and. <laughs> the royal penis is clean. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only two things. And I was like, I don't remember a single other thing about it. I hope there's a narrator <laughs> that can walk me through everything. Um, so I was excited to see how it holds up and what I did remember and all of that. Yeah, me too. I definitely saw it, but I only remembered like the my brain only stored highlights. Like, and for some reason, one of the highlights it stored was like what the interior of the apartment looks like when semi furnishes it with like the jacuzzi (laughs) like that jacuzzi is like stuck in my brain as like luxury (laughs) that's what luxury (laughs) looks like but a lot of the actual content of the movie is is Uh was lost to my memory there there was track lighting if you uh if you observe neon track lighting maybe Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) it was probably installed by someone named mark rick or steve right uh so what about for you nathan um so i i i think i went over this in in a previous episode like rated r comedies are a blind spot of mine Mm -hmm. from the 80s because you know as as a kid who didn't have access you had to everything you had to kind of pick your battles and so usually when we had the the opportunity to sneak and see a rated R movie it was usually something with explosions yeah. you know it was usually like the terminator or things that got terminated under a different <laughs> franchise but um yeah so rated R comedies are one of the ones where there was only a couple that that I caught and then I had to kind of go back and revisit um as an adult yeah yeah i like that idea that you didn't want to waste your R-rated yeah. cred on F-bombs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because it's... People to be on fire. Like, maybe you got, like, you know, it's it, it, and it's not that we were in, like, some weird, like, you know, oppressive, right. you know, background or anything. It's just that you... It, it was just not... You, we just couldn't get away with seeing rated R movies in, mm-hmm. in our house, you sure. know? Like, we, we also had... Did, my mom, um, you know, we were uh, primarily raised by a single mom from the age of 11, and and um, we, d- we didn't have a VCR until I was, like, 12, maybe. Mm. And so uh, it was sneaking things on from my grandpa's cable, or <laughs> we would rent something when my mom, for some reason, was out, which was maybe, like, four times a year. You know, yeah, um, and so yeah, we really had to be strategic. It's like, okay, it's going to be Predator. We're going to see Predator. Yep. You know, or and and you know, and eventually, as we got older, then it, it wasn't as big of a deal. But um, but yeah, so we had to pick our battles. It was usually things with aliens. Yeah, <laughs> and this is essentially a rom com. This is a rom com that just has a lot of f bombs. And a stray booby here or there mm-hmm. to make it mm-hmm. R-rated. Um, yeah, I remember it being very raunchy. 
uh, you know, in terms of reference, but it's really, uh, there's certainly moments, but it's really not so bad. No, it would be really easy to edit this for TV and have have no one be like uh, uh, shocked or scared. Um, I really love the beginning of this movie where we get to see Zamunda and how like beautiful it is and how every single thing is the absolute like peak of opulence like he is awakened mm-hmm. by a symphony <laughs> and he's just like laying in the middle of his like bed with the sheets completely undisturbed he can't do anything for himself including gargle <laughs> he has a man whose job it is to like wangle his adam's apple up and down while he is gargling <laughs> um and he's not happy with this life he does seem ha- very happy and very like benign and sort of peaceful but he doesn't want this future for himself. He, it's his 21st birthday. And so he's going to like meet his wife. And that's the point of this 21st birthday. But he doesn't want any of that. But the thing that I really liked about the beginning and and the thing that, that also Black Panther does is, you know, is is depict a wonderful, fantastic society without any judgment. Mm-hmm. And and mm. and the audience is just you know it's like you know uh, there's which is something that we never get to see you know it's something that um, I'm sure was a big deal back in the 80s that we get to see a like the the pinnacle of rich and power being a, a country in Africa it was it was something that I think it was it was really needed and refreshing back in the 80s just kind of how like people kind of like responded to Black Panther you know mm-hmm. and, and, and I love that about it you know I love that um that there's um that you know f- for 40 minutes the first white person we see is is a cabbie you know yeah <laughs> that's right I, I did like that and I really liked all of the fun like the beginning is just like fun to get to see the world he lives in mm-hmm. was it I wanted to ask because you are seeing a lot more 80s movies more often than I am clearly um one of the things that I really struck me about because we're especially we're talking about the beginning and it sort of goes throughout but especially the beginning how leisurely paced the movie Mm -hmm. is there's Mm -hmm. so much fat not necessarily in a bad way but like we get on the plane on a minute 23 that should be minute 10 (laughs) yeah that's how movies are made that's the inciting incident he's on his way is that an 80s thing or is that a john landis thing i mean there's just every like the dance sequence is great and it keeps going (laughs) yeah yeah and the, it's I was, the whole dance. Yeah. Parts of this movie feel a little bit like when you see like a student filmmaker just starting out. He's like, "Well, you have to show them opening the door with their hand on the thing. Otherwise, how are they going to know that they, you know, the door opened?" And it's like it's called continuity editing. You just sort of move through things. It was just, it was really interesting how slow, how visually exciting but slow it was. Sorry, I, I'm saying yeah. the exact same thing over. But it's, <laughs> you run into that a lot. Yeah, I, I would say that. Um, I would say movies, movies in the eighties, and just basically anything before the two thousands, really, basically, just took a lot more time and kind of laid a lot more groundwork, like in the first act, you know. Um, and then 
I, I, I would say, you know, you can't lay, lay the entire blame, but music videos and people's kind of like media mm. literacy bit then became kind of a little more accelerated. Um, but I'd say that the, 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 the dance sequence is a hundred percent John Landis. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, I... was it like the thriller dance, but sped up? <laughs> it looked very familiar. <laughs> I wonder if he just cribbed all of the same uh, dancers for it. I love the dancing part. And I love the idea of the dancers being out in the hall like, okay, whew, all right, here we go. Are you ready? Are you ready? All right. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. Do their warm-ups and stuff. Um, and then like when the marriage doesn't happen, if, how many people were like, well, it was because he didn't like the dance. I'm just saying. <laughs> You didn't hit your mark uh, quite as hard as we did in rehearsal. So um, that's clearly why this marriage isn't going forward. Um, I also thought it was a little bit crazy that there wasn't any like conflict in the beginning. Like even his internal conflict of wanting a, a real life and a real wife was just sort of like, I think I would like to have a wife that is like someone I am interested in. Oh, mm -hmm. are you sure? yeah <laughs> that's it okay it's kind cool. of like he, he's it's kind of like he's a disney princess who wants to find love yeah you know right and there's not a, like an extra thing of like oh the kingdom is going to be taken over at the same time or the villagers or you know the, it's basically very much idea. kind of just a, a quest to like the uh, you know and, and then it's almost kind of later like flipped of like the the agency of true love you yeah. know like he wants to find it and then at a certain point jumping you know way ahead but lisa who basically becomes a love interest she's put into like a similar situation to where someone else is dictating who she is supposed to marry Mm -hmm. And it becomes kind of her quest too, then to kind of find that agency of, of no, I want to choose who I love. The idea though, that we're just all accepting and taking for granted that you can find your true love within 40 days <laughs> is also in New York. It's just bananas. Like he essentially like accepts the first thing he sees everywhere like okay we're gonna go to queens because that's what we saw on the map i'm gonna get a job at this restaurant because that's the first place i saw uh this is the first nice lady so she will be my bride it's like they could have presented him with like 12 nice oh. ladies in some oh he saw a lot of ladies before her in the bar scene when we yeah. see in the well right right but i mean problematic like, scene yes right. Where I mean, she was the, the first worst. like normal, normal, like non-bar right. lady. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's not like he had like two great gals. Well, I guess the sister kind of would count, but the sister is like uh, cartoonishly over-sexualized. Right. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, there's just a, there's a lot of like montage too of like here's mm -hmm. what New York is like. There's the very like. Eddie Murphy scene where they're all have to be playing eight different characters in the barber shop. I forgot about that. And that was pretty impressive. I don't yeah. know about some of the characters <laughs> again, it's problematic is the, <laughs> right. the word that we have to keep using every once in a while. Cause speaking of problematic, this film has an interesting strain of, and I'm going to, I'm, I'm 
for lack of everything, I'm just going to blame everything on the 80s, but like 80s era comedic sexism yep. with also a strong through line of female empowerment. That mm-hmm. Lisa is very powerful. The queen stands up to her king husband at the end. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a interestingly queasy mix of both of those. It doesn't seem to want to go one way or the other. I think it it wants powerful, but it needs to have all these easy laughs, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And that's... I, I think we saw that a lot with Beverly Hills Cop as well, where it's like there there's oh. the there is the low hanging fruit and we're seeing it there. And these eighties comedies seem to be saying, Well, what do you want us to do? Just leave it there? No, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna be swatting down all this low hanging fruit, but then we'll also present some things that are also kind of special and smart. Right. But it is the nineteen eighties of it all to be like, well, we have to do a woman uh character that's really a man. Wouldn't it be hard- hilarious to see Arsenio Hall in a dress? Well, we can't pass that idea up. Yeah. Did you um, see what that character's name was in the credits? No, what was it? Very ugly woman. Oh, no, that's not a very nice thing to say to Arsenio Hall. I think he no. made a nice looking woman. Yeah I, I, yeah, I thought he was gorgeous as a woman. <laughs> I may say more about me than... Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's almost kind of like there is an... For any, any time or, you know, or, there's like an inherent dial of what is appropriate. What is the temperature of... Of, you know, it's like, is it okay, like in Crocodile Dundee, to make fun of, you know, trans? Mm-hmm. Is it okay to to make gay jokes? You know, um, there's also the question of, like, is this, quote, truthful to this character? Like, are we taking their side or are we just observing that this, this kind of, like, Australian oh. hick is being acting this way you know and and that i i think ultimately you have to kind of balance both of them when you do something like this you know it's like we had talked before about a movie we haven't um because anything can be taken either way like it'd be taken Mm -hmm. like us understanding that this character is a fool for saying this you know or or us thinking that it's cool the kind of like you know the movie that we we never covered yet, like in Wall Street, the greed is good. Mm-hmm. It's like we're supposed to understand that he is wrong, but so many people watch that and say he is right. right. You know, like that becomes like their anthem. You yeah. know, <laughs> so. Well, and I think it it does make a a the a point that we hear now so often, especially in comedy, is that these comedy tropes that we grew up on in something like um, this or, or in Beverly Hills cop or really any of the comedies that we do. um, uh, 16 candles is a great example as well. Um, They do Mm. take these low hanging fruit, punching down joke opportunities. Mm -hmm. And then people who are, you know, in their forties now are going, what do you mean? This is comedy. Why are you telling me I can't do these punching down jokes? This is what oh, I grew it's what up we on. Were reared on, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like, well, because now we know better, and now we do better. Yeah, so that's not really an excuse, but I could see mm-hmm. where they're coming from. But yeah. also, you're growing up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not <Yeah>. growing out, <laughs> right? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, we've come a long way since then, and and I think um, 
you know, we just we don't need those jokes. If you took those jokes, if you took that Arsenio Hall and drag moment out of this movie, you lose nothing. Right. You lose one lame laugh. You know, if you take the long duck dong character out of 16 candles, yeah. <laughs> you're not losing the fabric of what makes that a special movie. Um, if anything, it's it's making it stronger. So and I don't have many notes about the plot of this movie. He he meets Lisa. He f- wants to be with her. He gets rid of Eric LaSalle, who is her uh, very jerk, uh, controlling boyfriend. Um, he has a little brief, like, fling with the sister, kind of. Yep. I don't know if you would call it that. A pretty <laughs> gross scene at a basketball game. <laughs> um and like i think the most interesting struggle is that arsenio hall's character doesn't want to be living like a poor man <laughs> even in their poor surroundings he wants to live in the life that he is accustomed to so he's the one who actually gets them busted when he uh writes to uh james earl jones the king and asks for more money uh which prompts james earl jones and the entire royal entourage <laughs> including the rose bearers yep. whose mm-hmm. job it is to throw roses at the feet of all the royalty uh to come to find akeem in queens i wish they had commented on how the rose bearers didn't count on how windy it apparently always is in New York because every scene they're just like throwing roses into the air. Like you see them falling down the street. Yeah. I thought that was my favorite part. There were They did it twice. And I think it was maybe it's my favorite part because it's indicative of just more of the freedom that you could have. Maybe again, I'm going to say in the 80s where they break the fourth wall twice. And I thought that was so much fun that uh, Eddie Murphy does it. And then Eric LaSalle does it in a very weird choice to have the villain break the fourth wall when the sister's coming on to him. I like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I like that kind of freedom and weirdness to be able to just be like, because the movie kind of felt like camp, like mm-hmm. a bunch of people just getting together. Part of it is the lack of conflict. Part of it is the fact that he does just sort of uh, – blow into a situation and everything just sort of lines up and then he wins at the end and then she just (laughs) magically goes to Africa at the end. Again, that's not the best. We can get into that in a second, but it does just sort of, and maybe I'm also linking it to my childhood, but it just sort of felt like a bunch of people like maybe what (laughs) Adam Sandler's doing now with his friends. Like they all just sort of get together and they do whatever they want and they have a bunch of things and then there's always elephants. (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh, I think that's a very good comparison is to to like Adam Sandler like sort of uh, uh, always doing the, the same thing in his comedy but because um, it is crazy and the, there is like a super lack of conflict until the very end when the king is like well he's not going to marry your daughter because your daughter is beneath him and then the dad's like very <laughs> upset by that and then all the queen has to do is be like well, <laughs> seems like she's cool yeah. Um. And then all. And then there she is. Like I really loved the scene at the end, the royal wedding that we didn't get to have at the beginning. We're gonna have at the end. Apparently, Akim has like resolved himself to be married to whoever his parents pick for him. But everybody's in pastels. <laughs> yep. Which was not at all like what it was at the beginning. In the beginning, they're in these very rich, like jewel tones, like what you think of as That's like traditional, like African colors. But at this wedding, at the end, they're all in like 
pale, pale lavender and baby blue and like uh, blush and bashful. And I loved their dress. Like I loved their dress at the beginning, but I loved it at the end where they're all in pastels. This wedding dress that she comes down in is like three miles of pink fluffy train. And then like the save the day moment is that he flips over the veil and it's Lisa. It's, <laughs> it's the girl he liked from New York. What? What a prank. What a prank. <laughs> so they weird. they were they were really pranking him. Yeah. He was probably so sad. Right. All of their weddings are just about reveals. Yeah. Everything is everyone is always just standing behind someone else. There's so much parting of crowds and, and it's part of the culture. And, yeah, exactly. It is. And there's it's... always elephants in the background. Mm. Surprise! I, I did love that scene where right? he's like, he and James Earl Jones are like walking through the garden, and like a zebra runs a by, zebra just a baby just... elephant runs by. I loved that. It was yeah. so fun. Yeah, man, zebras are so dangerous. They're they are is dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. It's like Wait, zebras. Uh-huh. Yeah. Zebras. They've they've got a bad temper. <laughs> All I of them? Didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> or just one that you met as a child. <laughs> Look, let's move on. Okay. okay. Um I I did like uh, one of my favorite things was that I really believed like Akeem was like very much a Disney princess. Like he mm. didn't seem to really care about the money. And deep down we know it's probably because he's never not had any. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, because he's thinking, well, if I give up all this fame and, and royalty, we'll just be living like your, your dad is, which is like, actually he's a successful business owner and not everybody is that fancy. I believed him that he really, truly wanted love. And I, and so I was really rooting for him the whole time. Uh, and that was one of my favorite pieces of the puzzle is really getting to like, like Akeem and cheer for Akeem. And really like Semi, even though he was like really uh, at cross purposes at some times. But I was just like rooting for them and on board for this rom-com. Just take me on the ride you want to take me on. Um, and I also really liked the McDonald's ripoff restaurant. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah, that was the that was the one thing uh, that I remembered the most um, uh, from the movie was the McDowell's, which I thought was hilarious. Mm hmm. Yeah, the the golden arcs, and then everyone everyone's uh you know fast food outfits was was plaid. Yeah, was in kind of like the Scottish plaid. And he had that plaid in his home too. His his personal couches mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. were that color. I had forgotten going along what you were saying. Of you were happy to go on the adventure with Hakeem. Hakeem, um, I was so happy to be with. Eddie Murphy at the height of his powers. I mean, mm-hmm. he's always mm-hmm. been a little bit of a divisive uh, comedian for me. I know he's come out and apologized for a lot of stuff he used to do, but um, he's just so charming and yeah. so effortlessly charming and at times so yeah. effortlessly funny that it's just, it's pretty remarkable. I had forgotten. I've, I, I mean, cause it's been, you know, the, the, the fatzos, what are the, the clumps? The, oh, the clumps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, like he took that and ran with it in a direction that I was not on board for. Or maybe yeah. it's because I was growing up mm-hmm. and that wasn't there for me anymore. But this was just really, yeah, the height of his powers. It's pretty remarkable to see. Yeah. It's like in um, Beverly Hills Cops, like I was impressed by just how sincere he is. Mm-hmm. 
you know, uh, in, in the, you know, in that character and in Akeem, you know, mm-hmm. just, and you buy it so much, like you buy just how honest and sincere he is. Yeah. Completely agree. I, I think it really comes through in that scene where he's like being bathed. The one that you mentioned, Tommy, where he's just yeah. sitting there and he's just kind of like wide eyed and he's just like in this peaceful, serene, we don't know what he's up to. And then all of a sudden a woman surfaces, the royal penis is clean. And you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That was pretty funny. And the, the joke was that he wasn't reacting. Right. Right. Um. So. I don't know. I think it's hard to it's really hard. What we found, Tommy, is that it's hard to talk about comedies um, aside from all of us showing. Well, I liked this part and I liked this part. Okay. Or, I didn't like this part. And <laughs> because I there's didn't not like enough to dig part. into or. Yeah, it's there's not, um, you know, it's like the plot of this. There's not very much to say. Right. Um, so it's hard to rate it. How, like, how do you compare it on a scale of like one to ten you know on a scale of one um and i don't we didn't even talk about anything specific enough for me on a scale of one jacuzzi in your apartment (laughs) (laughs) to ten jacuzzis in your apartment being the best one Um, zebra to ten zebras one very one ill ill tempered zebra (laughs) um how how do you approach reading something like this i I had a hard time, but I I was really comparing it a lot in my mind to Beverly Hills Cop mm-hmm. because that's the last movie that we did. Okay. What do you think, Nathan? You always approach it in such a smart way. Right. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of uh, of John Landis and his his comedic styles, and and I really it's been pretty recent since I've seen this movie, and I and I remember I I, I rewatched it when the Coming to America two came out. Mm. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I do. And it's tough with, with John Landis because, you know, there's so many movies of his that I genuinely love, like Blues Brothers and Three Amigos. Uh, but this is one of those cases to where you, where it's difficult to sometimes separate like the man and his work. Like I'm pretty positive that John Landis is an insufferable a-hole. (laughs) <laughs> like a zebra he's uh, yeah. the zebra yeah. of he filmmaking is, he is the zebra of filmmaking um but um no i i would say i would I, I would give this a seven like it it definitely starts off stronger and kind of loses in my opinion steam um as it kind of goes but i i feel like there's so many good solid classic moments in this movie um that it's pretty darn enjoyable even though you know there's not a ton of stakes and, and and I kind of felt like the point that it should have been really like gunning towards the end. It still got kind of a half hour left, you yeah, know, it it's still, it, it kind of winds down slowly. There's no reason for this movie to be two hours long. No, no. no. There, there's a version of this is that that's like a really strong, like hour and 40. Yes. You know? Correct. I agree with that, but I also like, I, my favorite parts were when we were with the people of Zamunda, like, and that's, that's like the, the long, 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 long beginning. And then all of the extra parts with uh, James Earl Jones and the, the Royal entourage at the end, I just wanted to like be with them and <laughs> like hang out with the Royal family. Over at the Wardolph story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You yeah. don't care what. Meanwhile. <laughs> um, 
I so for me it would be hard to be like oh cut a bunch of that stuff at the end where they're just uh, the people of Zamundar in the real world I would have a hard time being like yeah get rid of that so I gave Beverly Hills Cop seven and a half seven point five out of ten um and I I don't think I can give this movie less because I like the action comedy uh genre but I like the rom comedy of this and it, it you know follows all it's like an r-rated rom-com and it's hard to like give that um less than beverly hills cop because it really did its job uh so that's where i come down on it is 7.5 seven and a half out of j- 10 jacuzzis i love both of your ways of thinking and i was toying between eight and seven i'm gonna go with seven for two reasons one it's way too long and it's also the least convincing stick fight <laughs> I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> um, oh, right. Sam yeah. Jackson is in this movie. And Sam Jackson, yeah. Cuba Gooding Jr. Yes. is getting his haircut. Yeah. There's it's, there's all people all over the place. And nope, I'm going to go back up to eight because I like the freedom of it and I like the trading places guys. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Like, that's a long callback. Um, yeah. I, and I thought... To be honest, I think I went into this being like, I like this as a kid so much that I bet it's garbage. <laughs> and it's really not. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I was pleasant. I was also looking through it with like nostalgia and stuff. I'll go like seven and a half or eight. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, I, But I, I do think my mind is writing a TV edit of it that's much shorter. Sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or a mini series that's just like Dynasty, but it takes place in Zamunda. Like that's what <laughs> you just I really want. In Zamunda. I love yeah, it. Yeah, I do. Um, so what about a deep cut recommendation? <sighs> like I had a tough time uh coming up with one for this. I had a tough time. Did did either of you have something that just like leapt out at you? I <laughs> I have one. I thought about the fish out of water element. Oh, mm. perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a huge deep uh, cut, but uh, one of my favorite fish out of waters, and then you end up changing the water that you're there is Pleasantville, mm. uh, yeah. which it made me, I just, I was trying to think of like what some of my favorite, because the 80s was really filled with fish out of water comedies, right? And I love a fish out of water. Yeah. And so Pleasantville is a neat update of that. But it's also the whitest movie ever, so now I feel <laughs> I'm sorry. What about for you, Nathan? I, I was kind of going two different directions in terms of of like where you could go with this. Like my love of John Landis kept gravitating towards like the Blues Brothers. Mm-hmm. But I, I think um I think I'm gonna go it's it 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 was more my I guess my fascination with uh, with the country of Zamunda. Yeah, uh, and and in a very in a similar time zone, uh, in in set in kind of a quasi Cuban country, um, the movie uh, Moon Over Parador. Oh wow! You ever seen that with yeah. uh, Richard Dreyfus? So basically, the thing that always interested me about Zamunda is it's like, well, how, what have they done to have this power? Like, I, I of course think of like realistic or like real life versions to where people are in great power and then like the common people are starving. (laughs) Like, and they kind of address that a bit in the sequel, you know, like a rival country wants to take them over, you know, but, but like in, in moon over Parador, he's Richard Dreyfus is pretending to be the dictator 
you know, because right. the dictator dies and he realizes all this opulence and, and the, the wonderful palace is all actually um, kind of putting the heel to the common people. Like everyone in the rest of the country is suffering and he's not aware of it. Um, so <laughs> if you, yeah, if you want a comedic bummer after coming <laughs> to America, then take my recommendation. Moon over Parador. Excellent. Yeah. So I'm just going to take the easy way and say that, you know, uh, I will recommend, uh, Black Panther for the reason of wanting to spend time in Wakanda and see what Wakanda is like and the, um, the life style and uh stuff of wakanda although uh there definitely is an argument to be made uh for recommending the lion king because of that moment where they're walking mm. through the garden and james <laughs> earl jones is like everything you observe will once be will be yours right. it's like uh-huh. oh yeah i've heard that before james earl jones <laughs> everything this james earl jones is right. so good he's always oh, so good i had no and idea how so much lovable. i miss him yeah he's so magnetic he's so great it made me want to watch uh field of dreams again right away yes and he even has this like playful little smile when he's like i always assumed you were having sex with your bathers i know i do <laughs> like, <Yeah. it's> like <laughs> you don't hate him or think he's gross no. for saying that yeah. you're like oh, adorable yeah, pervert <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly um and that's how i prefer my perverts adorable sure. so um where can people find your films, Tommy? What, what, where can they find your podcast? Where would you like to direct them to? Sure. The podcast uh, is, well, we're both on the next reel, but then Pete, uh, Peter Wright and I have our own podcast called, it's a terrible title, but it's a great podcast. It's called What's That Smell? A sometimes funny <laughs> podcast about humans and their anxieties. It's a f- comedic podcast about living with anxiety. Um, and so you can go to truestory.fm or what's that smell.net to find out about that. We are in the midst of our seventh season, which is ridiculous. Um, I love it. And as far as films, uh, we are not on Amazon Prime anymore. But if you go to Tubi, you can see 30 Nights is a movie that I directed uh, that is okay. <laughs> 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 it was the first time I directed a feature. You can kind of tell, but it's fun. Yay, that's cool. wonderful. Thank you. Um, and what about for you, Nathan? Where can people go to support your filmmaking endeavors? Yeah, uh, the best place is um, Squishy Studios, uh, the website, the Facebooks, the Instagrams. That's probably just the easiest route. Okay. Uh, if you can find me at Neighborhood Comedy Theater, the place in downtown Mesa, Arizona, uh, you can also find me on True Story FM on uh, Sat Matt and The Next Reel and all sorts of fun stuff. Um, and uh, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you. Um, uh, remember when you're out there in the world to keep the most excellent 80s movies motto in mind. Be excellent to each other and... Party on, Party on dudes. Dudes. <laughs>